Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Voices, Uncommon Visions. I'm your host, Dr. Valerie Nyberg. I would like to first start by saying Happy New Year. I hope that uh, my listeners had a great holiday season and a wonderful start to the new year. This is a very personal episode for me because I feel like for those folks who have subscribed and who have been following me, I need to... um, explain some things. Um, It's been a while since I've posted a podcast episode, not because I didn't have one ready to go, but I did find myself at an interesting crossroads. Many people who know me well know that in the last couple of years, I've really shifted my focus towards trauma-informed restorative practices. And part of that is recognizing how much trauma I experienced as a child, how much trauma I experienced as an adult, and how I've responded to those experiences and how those my responses have both helped and, and hindered my own ability to grow and change and develop. Um, just recently, uh, a childhood friend, um, probably the person who's known me the longest in my life, reached out to me. I'm expressing some some concerns. She had Googled me on the internet and uh, she said she got multiple uh, hits, negative hits about me. And she urged me to scrub my past. Um, It's really hard to face negative press, particularly um, when you strongly feel that you didn't do anything wrong, that you were actually doing your job. Um, So, you know, I I told her, I thanked her for her advice, um, but I, I am still grappling with what happened. So, um, part of this episode is about this little break that I just took. And part of it is actually getting my voice heard. If you look me up on the internet, you will find that I was removed from my position as a, in my first high school principal position after 15 months. Um, I think it's really interesting to see what the media covers and what the media doesn't cover. Um, If you look more widely, you will also find that Dr. James Whitfield, uh, a principal in Texas um, was removed from his position uh, based on white parents really feeling like he was pushing critical race theory. Since I think this was January, February, somewhere in there. Uh, Another woman, Cecily Lewis, was pushed out of a position that she, she hadn't even started the position. She had accepted it, moved her family, and was about to start when they when they put the bricks on it. Um, and then she ended up working with the school district to kind of find another position in another district. And the same parents kind of followed her there and did the same kind of uh, stuff, I will say. But my, my story has been local, local to Iowa, local to me. Um, basically, I took a position at a high school um, right after COVID started. I actually interviewed before and took and uh, accepted the, the position the month before COVID um, 
shut everything down and understood that there were a lot of complications with the position. Um, There were some, there was a push in the district or in the community to become more culturally competent, more, um, more cognitive, more inclusive of students and, and staff of, of different races, different cultures, different um, uh, sexual orientation. Um, at the same time that it was a community that was very attached to their traditions and their history. So I, I knew that coming in. Um, I knew the superintendent um, was in her second, I think her second year there um, who had hired me. And we spoke frank, frankly about the situation and kind of what, what that would look like. Um, that first year, even though we had COVID, uh, we had several different, we started the year with several different learning plans. The The situation was evolving and COVID didn't make anything easier. Um, and throughout that first year, I was told many times by many different people, you, you know, you're the right person for the right, for this job. Uh, we're so glad you're here. You're holding folks accountable to to what they they need to be doing, but yet you know you're approachable. I can talk to you. Um, you're visible. Uh, you are making sure that uh, you're all around the building. Your your admin team is all around the building. Where you know this is a lot of difference, and was much appreciative. Not everyone, mind you, not everyone, but those were the 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 feedback I got from uh, the folks above me, um, even some of the teachers below me um, and across the district widely. Coming into the 21, 22 school year, um, I, I fell in love. (laughs) Um, I had the opportunity to pursue a relationship that I have always wanted to pursue. So I was open about wanting to pursue that relationship, which was out of state, but very committed to finishing the job I had started, wasn't sure exactly how I was going to make an exit, um, but wanted to at least let my immediate supervisor know what was kind of going on in my background. That was in August. By October, I was removed. My superintendent was pushed out the May before all of this changed. So that was also a part of this this situation was um, my main support. My superintendent was was no longer there, and um, in its place, uh, a person who hadn't been there the last couple of years, who didn't know the history, who wasn't familiar with the specific work we were doing, the specific conversations we had had, was put in. And there's nothing, you know, there was nothing wrong with her. She was put into an unenviable situation as well. The information I was given was under the notion of an investigation about my leadership. I was never interviewed. No one I know was ever interviewed. Um, and within three weeks, they had replaced me with a white male retired, he had been retired uh, principal. As a professional learning opportunity, what I've learned is keep your cards close. <laughs> um, but I also learned that 
in order to do the work that we have to do at the secondary level, particularly around um, inclusivity, cultural competence, understanding where, where students are going, you can't do that, that work alone. I was really about trying to build coalitions, build our community, um, work, work together. Um, but we are in a cultural moment where partisanship and division and rancor is more valued than cooperation and um, compromise and and really wanting to hear the other side. Um, so in many cases, I was part um, victim of the times and circumstances. Um, So I think one of the things that's been most difficult about that situation or that experience is knowing that the things that I advocated for creating a, a um, an alternative school so that students have choices that we didn't make everyone we we didn't treat our students like sausages and put them through the same ringer and expect them to come out exactly the same or to be able to make it through that gauntlet, um, you know, creating, creating another environment for uh, them to have a smaller, um, more supported environment for their, their education, their high school education, um, you know, security. I was always talking about how we needed more bodies uh, to, to really, um, provides safety for our students. Um, and more and more importantly to me was getting students the emotional and social supports that they needed by providing additional um, liaisons to, to do that work, not just administrators, but we needed more counselors. We needed in-house therapy. We needed um, folks that students could go through go to when they were in crisis or even not in, well, like they didn't have to be in crisis in order to, to ask for help. Um, and then creating systems for all of that. Um, that was the work that I was doing. Um, and that's the work that my understanding from what I've heard is the work that they're doing, but I won't get the accolades or the acknowledgement for that work that I initiated. Um, because I got scapegoated um, out of that situation, not because I did something wrong, but because it was easier to scapegoat me than to really change the, the underlying culture, the underlying power dynamics that people had become accustomed to um, and to really hold the system accountable. And one of the things that really brought that message home to me was watching the Megan, the Harry and Megan um, Netflix docu-series. Um, they talk about having to um, battle with the institution as in the monarchy, as this thing that um, even though it, it, it said it, they, it's, even though the monarchy is has talked about modernizing, has talked about, you know, has does understand that they they need to quote unquote be relevant, 
um, is still slow to change and is still problematic in their approach to to the outliers, the folks who don't fit the mold. Um, Diana being one um, and Megan being another. Um, and you know, I understood as I watched that series, I understood the kind of decisions that Harry and Megan had to make in order to keep themselves okay, in order to keep their kids okay, in order to um, remain emotionally and psychologically healthy. Um, Because I, like, I felt, I feel like a lot of my experience in that, in, in my experience in the last year and a half have been very much that same fight of, no, you can't just um, put me out in front and say, you know, we expect this, 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 and this, and this of you. And when folks come for me, go, oh, well, you know, just deal with it because that's just how things are. That's what leadership is about. Um, and, And not understand the harm that is caused in that situation. Um, and, you know, I likely never, ever meet Megan and Harry, but I, I get their story. I get, I get what they're, they've gone through and, and how they're trying to, I, to reclaim their voice, um, which I guess is in some small part, what I'm doing now is trying to reclaim my own voice because I was silenced through that. I was I wasn't allowed to to speak back. I wasn't allowed to face face whomever. I wasn't permitted to do much of anything besides, um, yes, I'll go. And it, you know, even to the fact that I was pushed to resign, even though it was very clear they weren't going to renew my contract, not because of anything. They, there was no reason, um, but I was urged to to resign, which legally. Um, has made it impossible for me to take any legal recourse, which is unfortunate. But I take from this situation again, that I have a clear purpose in education. I have a voice. I have, I have an understanding of the complexity of what it means to be a person of color um, and female who is trying to do things that other people don't quite understand, aren't quite ready for, um, really want, but don't know how to handle. Um, and, and I, I believe in the, I believe in the work that I'm doing because I, I see that despite the fact that I'm not there, they're still doing some of that work. Um, that, that means something to me. Um, there will never be a statue in my honor or anything named after me, or, you know, there will probably never be any kind of public recognition of that, but I know that I mattered. Um, I know that I made a difference and I know that I will continue to do so even on those days when it's hard to feel confident in that, to understand that, There is an emotional cost. There is a psychological harm, and it does take time to come to terms with that, to to face it, and to 
to deal with that. And it's not a linear process. There's no roadmap for it, but you know, it, it can happen and it does happen. So it just, I want to take this opportunity to share, share, share my experience, to share my story, to share um, what it is that I, that I'm going through as a person who has really pushed to survive, to, to endure, to, to push through situations, I'm finding myself, or I found myself in November, really just needing to take a break, um, to give myself time. Um, I was, and, um, really questioning what I'm doing with myself, with my time, with my effort, with my, my energies and really, uh, doubting what I know is my purpose. What I know is my direction and my path, because I've always been on a path that a few other people take. Since I've returned to California, I have gotten um, into the VA healthcare system, which many will understand that the last 10 or 15 years of VA, a lot of the mental health uh, services have been under spotlight for uh, lack of consistency and care. Um, so I've gotten a lot of great responses from the VA here regarding mental health supports and 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 the like. And I was in a meeting with a provider early in November who expressed to me, you know, having looked at my military history and kind of like what I was, how I filled in the gaps of where I left off in the military and, and kind of how my life had unfolded. She, she, I remember her saying, you know, I can imagine that you feel overwhelmed and alone and um, that you need to emotionally process. And it wasn't like, this was my second meeting with her and it wasn't the first time she had mentioned overwhelmed. And I was, I kept thinking, how do you know when you're overwhelmed? Like, what does that feel like if that's your current, like your, your state all the time, if you're always trying to survive, if you're always living in survival mode, if you're always trying to figure out how to best navigate situations so that you can get through them in in one piece. It gave me a moment for pause. Uh, so what I found was in November, after I did that first episode, I just couldn't make myself do the second one, even though I had prepped for it, I had done everything that I typically do. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> um, and that caused a lot of guilt and anxiety and lack of confidence, you know, because here I am, like, this is the thing that I'm doing right now and I can't even get that done. I do have a very small, but I, you know, I, I appreciate the loyalty I've had from subscribers and people who have listened to my podcast and, and, and really encouraged me to keep going. So you don't want to lose out on those folks who have invested their time and who, who continue to listen to your, your episodes. But I, I needed to take a moment. Um, I needed to 
as the health, mental health care provider said, I needed to give myself the emotional space to process, which is not something I've, I'm really great at. I think that's part of the reason why I'm so attracted to trauma-informed work, because I think when you have so much coming at you, not only from a societal level, but from a household and from the systems that you have to um, engage with in order to get your needs met, your education, your social services, you know, law enforcement, all of those systems, it start, it does take a toll on you. And I don't think we talk enough about that as a, as a society, as a culture, um, and, and recognize that not everyone has the same experience and not everyone is afforded the same emotional space to really understand their situation and to really process the information, the situation, the emotions, the reality, the, you know, all the pieces that come with being human and trying to make your way throughout um, a life. Um, so I am um, really in my own life, trying to move towards healing and understanding. Um, I have, I'm a perfectionist. Most people who know me know that I'm a perfectionist, which I've, I've developed that as a mechanism for coping, because if I'm perfect, then uh, I'm lovable. I'm acceptable. I'm all of these things that I want to be, but I'm not necessarily allowing myself to be okay with being human. Um, and as an educator, I fundamentally understand that this is our work. Yes, of course, reading, writing, um, arithmetic, all of these, all, all of the content is important. And the content is important mostly because it helps our, our students to understand how to learn, how to think, how to really navigate knowledge and information and, and what what they believe and how they believe it and what's that based on and, and those kinds of things, which I feel like in the last decade have, have been um, really under fire. I mean, intellectualism has been um, under fire for a, a while now. Um, and, but with that also comes understanding who you are, what you want, what your foibles are, um, what, what causes you stress, what triggers your anger, what, what really impedes your progress towards getting to what you really want for yourself. Um, and that is why that's the work that I want to be doing. And that is the direction I am going. And, um, I, I might do this like quote unquote disappear act, every now and then to kind of give myself that time. I'll try to be more, more uh, thoughtful about that process um, because I think, you know, it wasn't just dealing with the past year of, ex of experience. It was also, you know, the upcoming holidays and being away from my children and, and really coping with all of that. And, you know, coming to terms with a relationship that didn't work out the way I thought it would. Um, and all of those things all came to bear because this is the time of year where 
I become reflective about those things and I give myself the time to, to kind of um, reminisce or reflect or how, however you want to phrase that. Um, and it literally just stopped me. I paused. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have the ability to pause. Um, and I hope as a listener, uh, you will, this message will be helpful to you in some way. Um, because I, I really think that the more that we can be open and honest about where we are and, and how we, how we do get through the, the better off we all are. Um, nobody has the playbook that is guaranteed to, to make your life the, the way you want it to be. We're all just figuring it out and we need that collective, um, community to help navigate. We, no one can do it alone. I know that for sure. Um, and this is just my way of, of saying, you know, I, I really, I'm sorry for not (laughs) putting together my episode. Uh, I will do better moving forward, but there are reasons and circumstances, um, that were, um, healthy for me to take that moment of pause. And I believe that with the new year, I will get back on that horse and I will do even better moving forward. So, um, I want to thank you again for listening, um, for supporting my, my, my platform and for believing in this work. I genuinely feel that the divisions that we have, the fears and anxieties that people are feeling right now, um, the threat that some people f- are, are feel like they're under of losing their lifestyle, their way of life, their their traditions, their what whatever it is that, that they value is just a matter of us being able to reflect on where we are and understand what what our emotional triggers are so that we can begin to understand those in a larger context and to really humanize ourselves and humanize the the folks that we interact with. Um, And that, that is what it means to be human. So again, thank you so much for your patronage and for your support. This has been Valerie Nyberg with another episode of Uncommon Voices, Uncommon Visions. Uh, Please feel free to like, comment, or share this episode, and I will see you next time. Take care.